Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It was Women's Day, and some occasions are important to reflect on. Uh, not that the United Nations dictates our gender, but that it will be imprudent to simply uh, pay a deaf ear to the fact that the world was celebrating uh, this day. And in celebrating this day, uh, my focus this morning is simply to call out that we celebrate this day as Christians based on the scriptures. We celebrate this day as Christians based on the Christians, or according uh, to the scriptures. One of the social media posting yesterday was of a woman who was drunk like no one's business. Uh, she was not able to walk, so she fell repeatedly. You scared even on uh, the clip that she would hate herself. But that is how she celebrated Women's Day. Get drunk and fall everywhere and become a disgrace. Driving home late evening yesterday, past a place just before hospital, this signed uh, the whole road from about just after Roman Catholic, it was vehicles. Uh, because the parking space was taken up. What were they celebrating? <coughs> Women's Day. When in Kabwe, I uh, went to the street and women were marching, and I think I've said this may be here once, but it's okay to say twice, and some of the sentiments were basically, Lelota Mwalia. Uh, that basically was sent to their husbands. Today, no food because we are celebrating Women's Day. They were celebrating Women's Day. Unfortunately, for many, the celebrations like this are occasions for mischief. Man, male and female, God's image bearers. Man, male and female, God's image bearers. International Women's Day is a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. The day also marks a call to action for accelerating gender parity. If you go onto the website that is talking about Women's Day, that's what it says. 10 values that site gives us, 
10 values that guide International Women's Day are justice, dignity. And when I read that part, I'm thinking, that woman wasn't in a dignified state. Hope, equality, collaboration, tenacity, appreciation, respect, empathy, forgiveness. This year's theme, Balance for Better, is a call to action for driving gender balance across the world. And I think the sad theme has to do calling us to technology. The women are left behind here. What is it that must guide us? What is it that must govern us, both male and female, as we celebrate one gender or the other? What is it must govern us? And I'm calling us to the beginning. But we must always remember that Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 must govern our celebration of Women's Day, Men's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Youth Day included. That Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27 must govern us. What is it? in reflecting on the fact that we're celebrating Women's Day, that Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27 is teaching us, both male and female, young and old. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 teaches us the uniqueness of man. Every time I use that pronoun, man, I mean what it means in the text. Uh, that's what I mean. I don't mean Balungwebu is the list of the men I'm thinking about. I don't mean that. I mean male and female. Listen to the text. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, it's not singular, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And what we're reading in Genesis 26, 27 is the uniqueness of man male and female. As we celebrate Women's Day, we must have at the back of our minds that this is God's creation of the highest honor with greatest dignity and uniqueness. That to celebrate and degrade and humiliate and get drunk and do all kinds of things is not consistent to biblical description. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 teaches us the uniqueness of man, human beings. The uniqueness of man, male and female, is that only they and they only are created in the image of God. Cats are not in the image of God. Chimpanzees are not in the image of God. Orangutans are not in the image of God. Crocodiles are not only human beings. 
by the way, we don't read anywhere also that angels are. We don't read anywhere that angels are. We don't read anywhere even how God created angels. We know part of the creation system, but God in his seven days kind of just is silent on the angelic host. But that the climax and the highest, the pinnacle of his creation is man, male and female. That as we celebrate these days, let us remind ourselves that our motivation, that which must drive us, is the understanding that this is a being, in the language of the psalmist, fearfully and wonderfully, we are uniquely made. The word translated image in the Old Testament meant something cut from an object, for example, a piece of clay cut from a sculpture. And in that sense, that which was cut from this original thing, in the real sense, had the essence of the thing that it was cut from. This meaning underlines the fact that there exists a concrete resemblance between the object and the image. When we discuss man, male, and female in the image of God, that there is concrete resemblance in both sexes in regarding the image of God. No sex is more in the image than the other. Unfortunately, when you ask this question, I would not be surprised even here if we said, who do you think reflects the image more? Man, male, or female? The answer would be man. And the men who did the theology to support it. We are the heads, just like Christ is the head. And therefore we are the kings. Look at the text. The dominion, the kingship, the rule was given to both. The text does not say men, you rule. In this context of over the earth, the cultural mandate, it's to them, created in the image. The word also denotes a statute of himself that a king would direct to serve as a symbol of his sovereignty as in Daniel chapter 3. And that the men that have commented on this basically say this. This is what God is saying. That when you look on earth and you're asking the question from my creatures, from my creation, who is it that represents me? Who is it that looks like me? Who is my image on earth? If you're looking for somebody that pictures deity on earth, it's man, male and female, in the image of God. And in that sense, we are God's statutes. No, not in the context of the Ten Commandments. That's very clear. But that we are the only image bearers. And as men and women, we celebrate this day. We're celebrating the day of an image we are not created in any other image or likeness except the image of God. Male and female, 
When you read that website for Women's Day, whoever is behind it, here is a sentence I thought we must be careful. It says, every sex, male and female, and any other gender, be careful that you do not fall in that category. That the people at the top, politicians, United Nations, when they call us, it's not restricted to male and female. It includes any other gender. My question is, which one? Bisexual? Transgender? Postgender? Prior gender? Which gender is that? So when we're celebrating Women's Day, the world, the people that have nothing to do with Christianity, they are probably in the near future will propose that you simply celebrate Father's Day, to simply celebrate Mother's Day, to simply celebrate Women's Day is not enough because we are being segregated. No, when we're celebrating Women's Day, here's what you're announcing to the world as Christians. There's only two sexes, male and female, full stop. No other agenda. Do the biology you want. Do the arguments you want. Get to wherever you want, only two. And as we do this, we must ensure that we underline it. But beyond that, it's absolutely speaking in the face of God and saying to him, you were wrong. The image includes male and female and any other agenda. How could you have forgotten about that? Now we celebrate Women's Day with the understanding that they are a creation of God. A creation of God in his image. And everything we do, we say, we reflect, we must show that this is God's image we are dealing with. We cannot deal with them in any other way. Human beings are God's representatives on earth and have a character and being in keeping with deity. In the ancient world, an image was believed to carry the incense the essence of that which it represented. Now this sounds pretty clear, but it is surprising that there are human beings who would rather be treated. That there are human beings who would rather be treated. Pardon my language, but I'm not sure I found any appropriate language. If you follow some of these behaviors of human beings, there are things they call fetishes or fetish practices. And these are real documentaries in some settings that a woman chooses that the husband or the boyfriend will treat her like a dog. They will literally put them on leash. When they go to ShopRite, they leave them chained where animals are supposed to be chained. And they are not forced. That's what fulfills them. That's what makes them feel alive. To behave like a lumber dog. 
It is malnourished. It's human beings that choose to be treated as scum. Human beings that should be treated as slaves. And yet, there is scripture like this. Created them in the image of God. Men and female. Please, if you are a wife, and your husband says to you, treat me any way you want, tell them, get your theology right. I can't treat you any way I feel like because there is biblical boundaries. You are in the image and my treatment of you must according to this. Why wife? Your husband wants to treat you any way he wants. Tell them, get your theology right. Or simply tell them, read Genesis 1, 26 and 27 in the image. And treat me as an image bearer. We are male and female, created in the image of God, and we must act in no other but as fitting for God's image bearers. We must act as fitting. Now I know uh, that there is pressure. As Christians, we go to these meetings that are not necessarily Christians. The people are putting these things together, not Christians. You have a challenge there. But the fact that everybody has gone to the party and they are drinking their heads out, they are falling all over the place, does not require you to do the same. One picture, I think it's in the Daily Times, we read, the police women could not resist dancing to some poo-poo-papa something song. And I'm saying, what do you mean they couldn't resist? Nobody was twisting their hands. And if you are a Christian, you were among them. You did what was dishonored. You don't just stand up because it's women's day and do some poo-poo-poo-poo. Uh-uh. You still remain one. I'm not saying don't do the exciting things like I've seen some people, you know, you're jumping in there. Hey, women's day, please do those things. But check them. That what you're doing reflects who you are and announce to the world that this is you. Don't just follow the crowd. And in a sense, it's shameful for us that we need the world to remind us that women are wonderfully and fearfully made. That we need the world to tell us. We should tell the world that this is who they are. So those verses teach us that women are uniquely created in the image. And I say so because that's my slant, not that men are not. That anything we do, in particular our culture, is terrible regarding women. Is an expecting mother with a baby on the back 
She's come from the field. And the husband didn't go anywhere. She must come from the field with firewood on the head. When she's done that, she must go to the river and fetch water and cook for this guy who has been drinking kachasu. She's not appreciated. And the world is saying that to us. As Christians, we've been to our villages. Our brothers treat their wives this way. Our cousins treat their wives this way. Nobody has said anything about how wrong that is. But you are a Christian. And the world on the earth reminds us we must say something. Secondly, in considering Genesis 1, 26-27, that the pursuit of gender equity must never be confused with God-ordained gender roles. The pursuit of gender equity must never be confused with God-ordained gender roles. The world thinks this way. And the examples I give are not necessarily uh, biblically uh, exclusive, but I give them for purposes of making a point. The world says, because men can become soldiers, women should as well. The world says, because men can work under the mines, it is segregation for women not to work under the mines. The world says, if there are 14 cabinet minister portfolios, there must be seven women and seven men. That is equality. The world says, if the wife change the diapers of the daughter, the husband must do the same. The world says, if the husband dresses torn jeans, the wife should. Don't stop me. It's my right. We are equal. Now don't confuse equality with roles. Don't confuse equality with roles. And in a sense, you understand the context this is all coming from. It's really, it's a genesis in the US, in the times when women like blacks were completely sidelined. They got half the pay for the man, uh, same job. And from that context, there is injustice. But that's not the biblical basis for equality. The biblical basis for equality is in whose image you are created. What makes us equal is not necessarily what we do. It is possible to do the same job, get the same pay, but still treat you as unequal, as inferior, as less human than man. In the Roman world, this treatment of, and we'll be looking at this in this afternoon, but when a woman committed adultery, one author from that era has written, kill her without going to court, and you shouldn't be held accountable. 
But when a man is caught committing adultery, if you are a woman, how dare you even raise a finger against him? That sounds graphic. Isn't it true today? Isn't it true? Who's adultery if you are married? Becomes more news. The man's or the woman's? And that's us. That's, that's humanity. It's basically saying, look, there is something a little more dignified, more important. I'm in a different class. So that when I do this, uh, like Balungwebung reminded us, and for the members I'm quoting Balungwebung, these are not my words. He's the one who saved them, hold him accountable, crucify him in fact. Basically meaning, you know, it's, it's okay for the man. But if it's a woman, kick her out. Well, this text, this text says you are both in the image. You commit an offense, you treat it the same. You do the right thing, you are both commended. You are held accountable with the same standard because... You read later on in the scriptures, the Bible does not say if the woman is made at less crime. No. When you kill somebody created in the image of God, here is the consequence, you also die. Male or female, boy or girl, two months or one week, it's the image. Do not pursue gender equality with the understanding that it primarily has to do with having the same salary. It has to do with more than that. The reason you must have the same salary is because you are in the image. You do not become or represent the image because you are getting the same salary. So it's not same salary equals image. It's image dictates that you are treated the, the same. But the roles may be different. So do not confuse human rights to gender roles with argument that since males and females are both in the image of God, it follows that by God's design, there are no role distinction between them. They are by God's design. Just read the scriptures. They are there. The problem is we have difficulties with them. As a human, you do not reflect the image of God when you do what God has designed to be roles for men. And as a man, you do not reflect God's image by playing roles God has designed for women. You don't. You are in the image and you do the things God has assigned you to do. But an appropriate time, we can reflect on what are these. But just now, simply that statement. Don't confuse your value because you are doing the same job as someone. That's too below. Your value is because of how God has created you. Do not think of your value because of your economic status. Do not think of your value because of your levels of education. Do not think of your value because of the trying. Don't think of your value because of your eloquence. Don't think of your value because of your beauty. Think of your value because of who you are in God's creation. Because we're dealing with women, please do not make yourself a sex object to validate who you are.
don't. If God has created you in a certain way, he's fashioned you a certain way, please don't exploit that. Don't exploit it negatively. Don't flaunt it. Flaunt it. Be you. Don't cause accidents. Because men can't look elsewhere except at you because of your clothing, because of your state, because of your neck posture, because of your finger stretching. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You do not primarily need some male to say you are you. You need God to validate you. Therefore, beloved, do not let gender equality be hijacked by feminist theologians. Don't if you are a Christian. Thirdly, the fact that male and female are both made in the image of God has several implications. Several implications. One, again regarding women as well as men, but uh, this is reflecting on women's death. Firstly, that your identity is not to be found outside God. Your identity is not to be found outside God. You don't understand who you are? Go to God. Go to the scriptures. Read who you are. And one of that descriptions is verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the image, in the likeness, he created them. Your identity is to be found in God. That's where identity is to be found. In our time, we have men and women whose identity is on regarding how many social events they've attended. It's regarding how flashy vehicles they can show around. It is regarding what plasma TV they watch. It covers the whole sitting room. No, beloved. You will never get satisfaction outside God. Never. Never. It's, it's true in the sense of business people that when you ask them, if you ask Dangote, ask Mr. Trump, ask the owner of Walmart and all these gathered, ask them, haven't you enough money yet? No one will tell you it's enough. I am done. I'll just sit and eat. No one. Because outside, business alone, money alone, you never reach a point you say, I have arrived. When you are without shoes, somebody has said, you longing to have shoes. When you have shoes, you'd want to have more pairs than one pair. When you have more pairs, you want a bicycle. When you have a bicycle, you want a Toyota Ipsum. Toyota Ipsum, Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz, all kinds of 
vehicles with engines, vehicles plane, plane sheep, sheep the earth, the earth the universe, except you, go, you don't get to realize it. You'll never be satisfied outside God. So here is the challenge or question for you. You've been pursuing success in life, pursuing success in your marriage, pursuing satisfaction in your relationship. And you probably have not arrived. You probably have not have had it. For those of you that stood seven pairs, maybe you're thinking is, you know, once I leave my bachelor's life, I marry, I'll be home. Because you're thinking somebody to pick up your socks that will have never been washed for one week will be in the house. If you're simply looking for satisfaction and fulfillment primarily in your spouse, well, let me remind you, you were a sinner alone. When you get married, it's two sinners coming together. The level of sin is multiplied. You never quarrel with yourself, or you just invited somebody to quarrel with. Or when you were alone, a chicken lasted three days. Uh, when the lady comes in, she will eat half of it one meal. <laughs> Don't look for satisfaction in any other person than God. That's why we find our identity. Human beings may look at you and discredit you. Human beings may look at you and look down on the job you have. Human beings will look at you and say, in the world, what did you see in Fred Tembo, you? This chap, this, you, just the name tells you, Fred Tembo Jr. That's confusion right there. <laughs> You're looking for satisfaction in this guy? You may have some satisfaction. Ultimate satisfaction is found in God. I like to say this to the ladies. Don't primarily look for validation. Underline the word. Don't primarily look for validation from your husband, from your fiancé, from others. Your validation primarily must come from God. He, what he says, passes. I'm not saying, if you ask my wife, I'm a culprit. I'm not saying you don't post on Facebook, Happy Women's Day. I'm not saying that. Please do. Oh, but if you have a husband, I can assure you, you'll probably forget your birthday. That's okay. You probably forget your, the day you are baptized, your anniversary. I think husbands agree, we forget these things, except me, I should change the statement. Husbands, you forget, I don't. <laughs> forget these things. So if you're looking for primary validation from this source, you'll be disappointed occasionally, if not most of the time. Your identity, your value, your worth, is in God. He created them, male and female, in his image. We cannot understand, secondly, humanity properly, apart from the two facts revealed in Genesis. You want to understand human beings, 
outside Genesis, outside the Bible, you will not understand humanity. The first understanding is this, that human beings are created by God. The moment you put that to rest, you don't wrestle with evolution. You don't begin to think when you go into DRC, you meet a chimpanzee and you're asking, could this be my great-grandfather? No, you don't. Because you know where you came from. You don't. Sometimes those of us with this skin have heard the question a little more. You know, how did this happen? This. You know, no, when you understand who you are, you don't care what your rest is. Because you know who you belong to. Your identity is not primarily your rest. Yes, it's God-given, but your identity is who you are in God. You may look like a Chinese or Japanese, like you are always wanting to sleep, you are still in the image. You may look like a lumberman, always angry, in the image. You may look like from some province, deceptively humble, in the image. In the image. You talk too much, in the image. You talk little, in the image. Or may I say, you are married, in the image. Are you single? You are in the image. The text doesn't say, or the Bible does not say, if you are not married, like some people, we won't look at them. Like some people, and we know them, they are seated somewhere. Like some people from a certain province, we know them. If you are alone, doesn't mean you are half in the image. You are complete in the image of God, male and female. So no right man is coming your way. There's no reason to disobey God. You are complete as a single woman. You are complete as a single man. There's no reason to be crucified. A couch as you go home, they see you as a man and you have a nice job. When are you marrying? Who say to you, I want to marry? I'm okay this way. I went there for a school. Go and buy some from Sopra. <laughs> Image. That's what completes us. That's identity. We belong to God. In the image of God. Not in the image of marriage. Not in the image of race. Not in the image of education. Not in the image of socials. Not in the image of anything else. The image of God, he created them. Men and female. Secondly, the fact that male and female are both made in the image of God has several implications. The first one was identity, and it's under identity that you cannot understand humanity unless you come to this teaching. Secondly, that to be bestowed with such an act is a great honor. Particularly when you contrast this with, for example, Mesopotamian accounts which understood the purpose of God in creating humans are simply to carry out labor for them. When you read religions of the Eastern Bloc during that time, the understanding of the gods is that they created human beings simply to work for them. 
They didn't pass their worth image on them. They've not been, but that's the writing. But it's God. Eternal. Immortal. Majestic. Omnipotent. All-knowing. A God who is all-wise. A God before whom all things are present. A God whose love is indescribable. Chose. Chose that you will carry his image. That you reflect this God. You know, if you are in Zambia and you look like President Lungu, you will probably be paid a little. No, I look like the president. No, you don't look like some president. You look like God. And I don't mean this in terms of you become a God or you are deity. You are in the image. In the likeness. Whatever it is, without going into that debate, what is the image, what does it consist? Here is where I am simply ending. So God created man in his own image. In God's likeness. In God's lookalike. In God's sameness to some degree of life, conduct, thought, behavior, and all. Oh, and by the way, recent scholarship is arguing very forcefully. And those of us who read, please want to update ourselves uh, that there is a time when it was clearly agreed that by image it simply meant our intellectual abilities, our inner being, our thoughts, our spirituality. The thinking lately in evangelical scholarship is that man as a hobby a human being as a hobby is in the image. You can read that on your own, but here is the point. Whatever your understanding of image is, human beings are the only ones created in the image of God. Only you. Why would you surely live below that standard? Why would you behave like some other creature other than who you are? Why would you want to cheapen you? Why would you want to live a life that does not reflect God? If in the vernacular we say, Chimungu apalanan, and who? Ukuama. It's inaccurate, that version. I think it should have ended Chimungu apalanoko. Uh, full stop. The fathers, I'm not sure about how handsome, but Palano and the fathers are saying we'll show outside. Of course we'll pray together. <laughs> if that's the saying, look like your father, like your mother, shouldn't we be saying this even more emphatically? Look like your father in heaven. Shouldn't we be saying that with more force? Look like, behave like, speak like, conduct yourself, view yourself like God. Thirdly, any pursuit of gender equality falls short. That does not pursue it to its ultimate object, God. 
in pursuit of gender equality that does not pursue it to its ultimate object, God, falls lamentably short. Fourthly, that the church must be the champion of women's rights, gender balance, or gender equity. If there is an institution that must trumpet this, that men and women are equal, it's the church. It's the church. It's the church. Believe, if you don't believe that men and women are equal, you hold on to a biblical and unbiblical notion. If you don't believe that men and women are equal, created in the image, you hold on to an unbiblical conviction. Men and women created in the image, both. Fifthly, the pursuit of gender equality must be within the boundaries, must be within the boundaries of God's dictates or prescriptions. Nothing more, nothing less. So at some point, as in Donna Baptist who say, I think with more education, we agree. There is another gender beyond man and woman. If we get there, we'll have backslidden. And will have backslidden terribly. After the fall, the image was deformed or distorted. A pursuit to reflect an accurate image must be a return to God through his son, the perfect image bearer, Jesus Christ. After the fall, the image was deformed. Part of the problem of how we treat women, how we treat children, how we treat one another, it's because of the fall. And our understanding and appreciation of this biblical truth has been distorted. Our going back to this truth is to return to God through his son, the perfect image bearer of his father. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, or in the ESV, exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the one ultimately who restores that image of the Father on us. May I therefore say that as Christians, we must be the people that honor our women more. We must be the people that respect them more. We must be the people that appreciate them more. We don't. We should repent. We must work at it. We should not be beaten by the world. And by women being appreciated, it does not mean buy them Mercedes-Benz vehicles. It does not mean buy them the most expensive clothes. It means simply live a Christian life. Acknowledge their role. Appreciate their input in your lives and mine. It's probably your wife, if you are married, who said to you, your tie is on the left side, put it straight. Or many times I don't comb my hair, I come to the office, I go back home, my wife says, did you comb your hair? I said to them, pastors don't comb their hair, they will be late for prayer. <laughs> Women bring order in our lives as men. Beloved, let's appreciate our mothers. Let's appreciate our wives. 
Let's appreciate our sisters, our cousins, not because the world tells us to, but because it's the Christian thing. Because it's the Christian thing. Men and women, male and female, created in the image of God. Your sister, your wife, your cousin is not your slave. Is not your servant. It's not an object of your feasts. Abuse. No, she is wonderful. Fearfully made. How have we been treating women at Indola Baptist Church? How have we been treating them? Are there certain things we've kept them away from doing because of prejudice, because of culture? Are there? Is there a certain treatment we give to them because of our understanding of them? And therefore we think of them as less equal. Well, just women, you know, you know women, they talk too much. You know women, they're difficult. You know, and we just forget about Genesis 26, 27, in the image. And as we come to the Lord's table, please let's be reminded that even our perspective of our mothers and every human being must be through Jesus Christ, the exact image bearer of his son. He died that will be restored to that image. He died that our fellowship and the reflection of the Father would be right. Therefore, as we come to the Lord's table, let's come with that understanding that it has implications on how we treat one another. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for our mothers, our wives, our sisters, our colleagues at work who are ladies or females, the people responsible for all kinds of duties, in our lives, those that play a role many a time is not public. We ask that as in your common grace you've given us this day to cause us to reflect on our mothers and their goodness and how that we must not mistreat them but treat them as image bearers. We pray that where we've fallen short, each one Remind us to come to Christ, the exact image bearer, and make things right. And as we come to the Lord's table, oh, we plead that we may be reminded that if we are to be of any reflection of the image of our Father, it must be through Christ, by his enabling and that of the Holy Spirit. So cause us come to the Lord's table knowing that restoration is found only in him. So bless our fellowship together around this meal and may we partake of it as image bearers appreciating the love of the one who created us in his image. Hear us. We ask in Jesus name. Amen.